Peak Performance Plus presents the Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders with your host, Bill Stats. Today, we'll be discussing how to create competitive advantage in your organization. Based on a recent white paper and the book Competitive Advantage by Brian Treacy and Fred Wertzma, let's take a look at the three pillars of competitive advantage. What are they? Here are some value disciplines to think about. Operational excellence. That really takes a look at efficiencies and ROI. The second value discipline, product leadership. That's all about innovation. It's creating, developing something that really didn't exist before and taking that to the marketplace. And the third pillar, customer intimacy. That's all about the relationship with your customer. Your customer, there's no such thing as a conflict between what you deliver and what the customer wants. They get exactly what they want every time. Now, I'll give you an example of what we're going to be talking about today in some detail. Operational excellence to me could look like Amazon.com. And uh, here's an anecdote. So in getting my swimming pool ready for the season, I found that there was a particular part on the pool cleaner that was broken. And I thought, oh, gee whiz, now I have to go down to the pool store and try to find this. And I, so I did, and they said, well, I'm sorry, Bill, that that's not made anymore. And I said, well, is, is there anything else to substitute? No, I can't get that. So when I got home, I thought, okay, I don't really want to buy a new pool cleaner. So I went on Amazon, and I put the description of the part in, and guess what? They had it, and they committed to deliver it the next day. By noon the next day, white van pulls in the driveway, fella gets out, walks across the lawn, hands me an envelope, lo and behold, there's my pool cleaner part. So what can you do in your organization to create an opportunity to identify and develop some element of operational excellence. And the challenge is, according to the white paper and Brian and Fred, you can't, in spite of yourself, be everything to everyone. That's like the old jack of all, master of nothing. Jack Welch said, if you don't have a competitive advantage, don't compete. Now, looks different for a small business than it does for a Fortune 100, and we understand that. But today, Let's just talk specifically about some examples of operational excellence and drill down on maybe some areas that you could take a look at in your business that will deliver faster, cheaper, high quality, and what fits. That being said, let's see what kind of examples the Sherpas can come up with relative to operational excellence. What do you think, guys? Sure. Well, a, a, another company that comes to mind uh, is a company like IKEA. Uh, which I think is a great example. My, my personal issue with IKEA was anytime we were looking for furniture and my wife would go, let's go to IKEA, I just dreaded it. Not because I didn't like the furniture and not because it wasn't uh, certainly reasonably priced. I hated it because I had to put it together, uh, which always took hours and hours and hours. And uh, now that the landscape has changed, they've gotten smart and they'll put it together for you. And I always had parts left over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had come with their own special tools, and then there's always have two or three screws left uh, over. 
which I try to throw away so my wife doesn't see them. But uh, I don't have to worry about that anymore because now I can pay somebody to put it together for me. To your point, Bill, Amazon really hits it out of the park. They've came onto the scene. Everything's mobile-based, so there's no storefront to worry about. As soon as you need to have an item, you just look it up on your phone at that instant of need, and then you can hit a couple buttons, search for it, you buy it, and if it's something that you don't like, the return process is just as easy as the order process. And there's not a lot of brick and mortars or even other online competitors that can offer that that level of service. True. And I, I, I have to tell you, I, I don't know that I've ever needed something and looked on Amazon that they didn't have it. Yeah. It's amazing what the, you know, what they have. You know, another terrific example of operational excellence is Walmart. And there's there's we we could we could go on all morning about their their examples. Uh, one of which I'll point out is, you know, they've in, they've invested in a weather service, and so why would a retailer need a weather service? Well, you know, a weather <laughs> weather service provides a lot of information. It helps you control your inventory. Think about it: winter coats, hats, gloves, scarves. If it's going to be a warm winter. You're gonna, you're not going to need as much inventory as you would in a cold winter. Then you flip it over to the summer: sunglasses, barbecue equipment. Uh, beach umbrellas, these are all affected by weather. So the better a retailer understands the effect on weather, the more efficiently they can plan their inventories. True. Yeah. I used to work in the uh, broadcast business for a number of years, and um, we would actually sell uh, schedules in the summer to uh, HVAC guys. And the schedules would be pre-sold, everything would be negotiated, and once the temperature got to a certain point, an agreed upon temperature, we would put their schedules on the air. They would call us and go, okay, it's 85, put us on, and it was all auto- automated after that. It's really funny when you think about it, and John, your example of Walmart, thinking about, it's not like they're selling all no-name products. They, you know, if you want Wrangler jeans, you can get Wrangler jeans at Walmart. They may not be the same weight denim, they may not have the same tag on the back that other Wrangler jeans from a riding shop might have. But I'll tell you, you're only going to pay a third of the price that you would at a riding shop because they've run the costs out of it. It's really value-based on operational excellence and a logistics uh, operation that's the finest out there. You know, it's interesting. We talk about, you know, Walmart and you cite some other examples. They have established partnerships with their vendor suppliers that are unmatched in the industry. Uh, they've taken a number of functions that used to be in-house at a retailer. Perfect example is inventory planning. You look at a lot of the department stores and major retailers in the United States, and they would employ entire teams of product planners that would figure out how much product went into a particular region, and often they were right, sometimes they were wrong. Anytime they were wrong, there was a tremendous cost in excess inventory. Walmart figured a way to outsource these jobs and put them back on the table of their supplier. Who better to manage an inventory than the person who's supplying it? To take that responsibility from under Walmart's area of responsibility, transfer it to their vendor partner, allowed them to more efficiently plan inventories, partner with their vendors, get rid of a major 
bit of overhead with the employment that they were able to offload. And now, if you look at major brands like a Procter Gamble and name any major supplier in any industry, they all maintain offices in Bentonville, Arkansas, with planners, product developers that all work on a day-to-day -day basis to make Walmart's prices the best and their deliveries the most efficient in the industry. It's crazy, isn't it? Think of you know. I just came to mind with Southwest Airlines. There's another example of a of a business that's their main driver is operational excellence and that's why you stand in a line in a group number and you don't have a seat or if you do it's because you paid extra but just think about the fact that the airline that's been affected the most by the Boeing 737 MAX 700 problem is Southwest why because operational excellence that plane has more seats distance efficiency now there's some issues I understand that. <laughs> but the concept is they've identified an opportunity to get more from less. And, and that's really a mantra with operational excellence. We can get more passengers in, less fuel, uh, faster speed, longer distance. Chances are you can't buy a 737 MAX 700 in your business and you can't buy a weather service and you're not about to buy some kind of a logistics GPS system so you can make sure there's only right terms in, a, in your delivery operation like UPS. So let's do this. Let's try to identify some practical ways to apply operational excellence as a value discipline in your business. And we would look at that as a key deliverable from these podcasts, which is how do I get rubber on the road? How, how do I apply some of these ideas to my business? One of the best ways is, is really identifying your competitive landscape. Who's your competition? And what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are their competitive advantages? You know, where do you fit in in your local landscape? You can be a local luncheonette. You can be a roofing company. You can be a plumber. An advertising company. What makes you different than your competitors? And what do they do that it inspires you to think that their business is, is properly run? And where are they not competing in a way that you feel that could be an opportunity for you to compete? But most important, it's going to allow you to understand the competitive advantages that your partners have and where the opportunities lie for your company. Yeah, that's a good point. I, <clears throat> I think as Bill had mentioned, um, you know, the three uh, different value disciplines, you, you're not going to excel in all of them. You don't need to excel in all of them. So just make sure you're doing an honest evaluation of what your strengths are and what your competitors' strengths and weaknesses are before you determine, uh, you know, a, a road to your success. Another way to hit operational excellence inside of your organization is to really ask your employees what they have issues with. For instance, if you find out that your salespeople are having uh, a hard time making the sale because the sales materials they're using aren't phrased correctly, they're not conducive to the sales process, um, that's something where if your employees get back to you that if they had X, Y, and Z to do their job better, make it easier, faster, that will equate to being a cheaper version of making that sale because there's a lot less lost effort to achieve the goals that your employees are trying to do on a daily basis. 
One of the things that I was discussing with the Sherpa team here was an example that relates to a client of mine who's a home builder out west. And in their world, operational excellence looked like, what are we doing that we could do better in the world of safety? And so they made an incredibly detailed and focused revision in their safety requirements, uh, the deliverables to all their employees, the culture that they had to create. And the interesting part was they reduced reportable accidents to such a degree that they were actually able to build more houses per month just with the savings and the efficiencies of better managing their headcount through people not having on-the-job injuries and missing work and disability claims and things like that. So, you know, no matter how big or small your company is, if you're a roofing company and you all of a sudden decide, you know, operational excellence to me could be drug testing. I'm having accidents on the job uh, because people are either abusing drugs or alcohol. And what's the impact if I wind up with a higher percentage of employees that can conform to more safety on the job. So you don't have to be a Fortune 100 company to take a good look at what parts of your organization could work better and in some cases more effectively. Anything else today, guys? Uh, One thing for operational excellence for you to consider is automation. This is a a series of processes or even products potentially that you can they can that you can add to your facility to cut off time that's spent needlessly. So for instance, we have a graphic design and marketing agency and one of our clients needs a lot of PDFs. Uh, everybody here should know what a PDF is by now. So when I say a lot of PDFs, we have these documents that's about three gigabytes worth of files per location and there's about 110 locations. So it's a lot of PDFs. If I have a person sitting in a chair to make these PDFs for a client, it can easily be seven hours of their day making PDFs. Can you imagine doing that? So no. <laughs> no. The poor person. So what we do is we have a certain piece of software that we purchased and we can batch these things. So at the end of the day, comes you know, five, six o'clock, we take this app, open it up, drag a folder in. And this thing will just crank all night. So when we come in the next morning, it's all done. Nobody has to waste time, go out of their mind making PDFs all day. And we can hit our goals that much faster. And the, the, most, the most important part about this, the team runs faster, better, cheaper, cleaner. Because we're not needlessly doing things that just take up time for no real value. Interesting. You know, in the uh, broadcast business years ago, all the commercials were uh, recorded in what was called a cart and they were played by the disc jockeys in a cart machine. All the records were played on little record players. And as things advanced, when they came out with CDs, they were played on CD players. Today, all of that is in an automated system. Everything is recorded in the system, all the music's in the system, all the commercials are in the system. You know, initially the disc jockeys didn't like it, but, but to, now it's made their life so much easier because it's all on a computer screen right in front of them and all they have to do is hit a button to either cue a commercial or to cue music. Wow. Well, guys, looking at the clock on the wall, we're going to wrap up today's podcast. Coming up in the next episode, we'll be tackling the second pillar of 
value discipline, which is product leadership. Don't forget to subscribe. If you like what you hear and you want more, just click that subscribe button. If you have questions, go to our website and you can drop us a line. If we read your message on the show, you'll get a free t-shirt. Thanks for listening. See you next time on the way to the mountaintop. To learn more about the Summit Club podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. The Summit Club podcast is recorded and produced by Inertia Marketing and Design, a full-service marketing, digital, and graphic communications agency. You can find them at www.inertia.marketing. Thanks for listening to the Summit Club podcast, and we'll see you at the top.